Well, this week we begin a, a new year, and honestly, I couldn't pass up the opportunity before me. I usually don't like really cheesy sermon titles, but this week is a once-in-a-lifetime, probably a once-ever opportunity. Uh, I don't think anybody else will ever have 2020 as the year, so, you know, I'm kind of excited this next month because my birthday's next month on the 20th. So it's 1-20-20-20. Woo! There's got to be something to say about that. But 2020 vision. You know, 2020 vision is normal vision acuity. That's what it says on uh, Google. Or the clarity or sharpness of vision. That simply means that uh, if you have 2020 vision, you can see clearly at 20 feet what should normally be seen at that distance. So it's literally the ability to see clearly. I have never had that in my physical life, ever in my life. My prescription gets me close, but clear vision has never been realized for me in my physical sight. So as we come into the year 2020, I began to pray and ask God, what do we need in our lives that would give us the ability to walk into the new year with spiritual 2020 vision. What does God's word say about preparing ourselves for new beginnings? And so as I prayed and studied, I came to the Old Testament where new beginnings are often a theme. And so there, we are this morning in Joshua chapter 1. Um, Moses has died. You know, if we, if we know the story of the Old Testament... Israel winds up through, through God's providence in Egypt. They become enslaved in Egypt. They cry out to God. He hears their cry. He sends Moses in, who is, who is uniquely prepared to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He, he sends him in. They lead him out. He goes through the wilderness with them, all of the great miracles, all the things that have happened. But Israel refuses to follow Moses and go into the promised land. So they are forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the generation dies out. And then they're going to be allowed to go in. And so Moses now has died. And Joshua has been appointed his successor. And now Joshua is being asked to do with Israel what Moses could not. He's asked, he's asked by God to take these people and take them into the promised land because he was one of the faithful back in the first time and said, hey, we can do this. But Joshua has always been the follower. He's always been the guy who took his commands from Moses. He's always been the one to say, okay, yes, I will follow. And so now he's leading after the death of what history deems a hero of the faith. In many uh, Jewish uh, commentaries, you'll read that Moses is the greatest prophet ever. And so Joshua is stepping into some very big shoes. And God speaks to him in chapter 1 at the end uh, there in, in, in verses 7 through 9. There's just three verses here that give us instructions useful to us as we begin this new year with a clean slate. And it says there in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses has commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, open our hearts to hear your words. Father, use me as a vessel and the words that I speak be yours. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Here in the midst of this talk, at the end of the talk that God is giving to Joshua, he gives him some advice. He gives him some commands, some things that, that need to be done and be successful in what is to come. And one of the first things he says that we have to learn to also do is to have the strength and courage to follow God's instructions no matter the situation. Moses had handed down the entire law. And it was very foreign to the nations that they were going in to encounter and to possess. Um, honestly, the entire law is very foreign to a lot of us in this room. Because it's something when you begin to read, you go, what? What does that have to do with anything? Why would God write about that? Here, Joshua is moving in. He is taking the, the nation of Israel along with their law, along with the things that have been handed to them, into this promised land filled with nations who do not follow the God of Israel. And so he's going in and he's going to encounter people who are going to question and challenge whether God's instructions can actually be correct. Did God actually mean that? Is that something that God would actually tell you to do? Did God really tell you not to put two tops of seed in that field? Did God really tell you not to wear clothes woven with two tops of material? Did God really say that to you? Did God really tell you to bring that sacrifice at that time of the year? And so as we enter a new year, looking at this, we have to have the strength and courage to follow God's will and instruction no matter what those around us say. We live in a world that says the Bible is untrue. We live in a world that says everything in the Bible can be proven to be factually inaccurate through science because science can explain everything away. We live in a world that says God isn't really about love, he's about judgment. He tells us all the things that we can't do. One of the biggest um, excuses I ever had from a friend was that the Bible's just this great big book of don'ts and he can't seem to follow the don'ts and that just makes it too hard for him. And I told him if he would take the time to follow all the do's, he wouldn't have time to follow all the don'ts. Because the problem is, we look at the Bible as something that, that is all its rules and regulations, but God has told us what to do, not only what not to do. I have a feeling that those in Joshua's time ran into the same thing. People who would say, you know, I don't know if I agree with that. That's what your God says. It's not what my God says. I, I, my, my mind says something completely different. So I'm going to continue to sacrifice my children on the poles of Asherah. I'm going to continue to do the things they've called me to do. We have to have the courage and strength to follow God's instruction when it isn't popular to do so. It's not popular to follow God's instruction today. <clears throat> we have issues facing our nation and our world that are sin. That the world wants to claim isn't sin. And so they'll say things like, well, Jesus never talked about this issue. So it, it must not have been important to him. Jesus never talked about air conditioner either. But we're not going to meet in the summertime with no air conditioner. 
The truth of the matter is, the Bible is the Bible's the truth. It's God's word. It is what God wants us to do. And when we see it that way, we have to have the courage to follow his instruction when it's not popular. When people say, that can't be what God wants. When people say, you're just judging me. When people say, you don't love me because you don't agree with everything that I do. But that's not the only thing that Joshua is going to have a problem with. Joshua would have to find and would get fine instruction from God that's hard to swallow. The very first thing they do when they go into the promised land is Jericho. <laughs> You've always been a follower if you're Joshua. You've always been the one to, to, to hear Moses tell you what God has told you to do. And it's very easy for somebody else to tell you to do something. And then you just do it. It's very easy to do that. But when God has told you to get all the men together and march around the city once every day for six days. And on the seventh day, walk around it seven times while seven priests blow the trumpet. And then have everybody, when the trumpet blast happens, shout as loud as they can, and the walls are going to fall. Can you imagine that? That's crazy. If I'm Joshua, I'm going, God, um, I expected you to say, just walk in there, it's going to be okay. I didn't expect all these theatrics. What am I going to tell these people who were listening to me and I'm saying, just walk around the city? My kids love Veggie Tales. You ever watch Veggie Tales? There's one about Jericho with the peas on the top of the wall. They sing that song. Keep marching, but our wall's not going to fall. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Well, I imagine the same thing happened, right? I imagine you had the people of Jericho and, the, and their mighty men on the wall saying, what are y'all doing? It made sense when you surrounded us, but then you just kept walking and it was done. This makes absolutely no sense. Y'all are out of your minds. What's Joshua thinking after the first day? And then the second day, the people start grumbling. We know these people, when you read the Old Testament, these people grumble quite easily. They're probably grumbling about the third day in. Joshua, I don't want to march around that city again. And Joshua had to have the courage to stand up and say, okay, we also have to have the courage to follow God's instruction when we don't understand why or it doesn't make sense. Sometimes God says go when we want to stay. Huh. I want you to go. I don't want to, God. I don't want to go. And now hold on to that leg of mama and I'm not going anywhere. I remember. The year was 1998. And my dad had had the wreck in 97, and our lives had completely turned upside down. And I remember God calling me to work at a camp that summer. And uh, there's a whole other story for that, but I had to leave that morning. And so I went to the school to say goodbye to my sister, and I went and said goodbye to my mom. And I remember trying to get in that truck, and it was the hardest thing I had ever done because everything that I wanted to do was there in that town with those people. But God was saying to go. Sometimes God says go when you want to stay. Sometimes he says stop when you think you should go. How often is it that we want to do something? God, I really want to do this. And God says, no, that's not for you. He did it to David, right? David says, I'm going to build a house for God. Ooh, I'm going to build a big house. It's going to be a nice house. You're going to have gold. Oh, it's going to be nice. Nathan says, go ahead. And Nathan gets a dream. And he says, no, David, stop. It's not for you. It's a good plan, but you're not going to be the one to do it. 
Sometimes we have to follow God's instructions when we don't understand why or when it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense for me to leave home those people who I believed completely needed me to go and do this for a bunch of kids I never, didn't, didn't know from Adam. But God said go. Maybe for you, it's God's telling you this. Maybe God wants you to go to, to Africa. Maybe God wants you to go to Bora Bora. Well, y'all might like that. Um, maybe God wants you to go to the Arctic Circle. You know, maybe God's calling you to go somewhere and you really don't want to go. And we don't understand why. There are things that we go through that we don't understand. We have to have the, the courage and the strength to follow even when we don't. The second thing that he tells Joshua here is that study of the Bible should play a central part in our lives. He says it shouldn't depart from your mouth. Do not let this depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you can carefully observe everything written in it. The study of the Bible should play a central part of our lives. The reason why is the only way we can follow God's word is by knowing God's word. There have been times in our parenting um, training. I'm trying to be nice so we don't get into. Okay, I'm not sleep on the couch tonight. But um, there are there have been times where things would happen, and somebody, a parent, would get upset and mad because the child did something that they didn't want them to do. And then the other parent, I'm not saying which one, and then the other parent would say, well, did you tell them you didn't want them to do that? Well, no. Well, how did they know then that they weren't supposed to do it if they weren't told they weren't supposed to do it? We can't punish them for things they didn't know were wrong. And the truth is here, we cannot follow God's word if we don't know what God's word says. I can't do the things God wants me to do if I don't know what those things are. We have to know what, what we are supposed to follow. We have to understand it. And if we don't know it, it's, it's not there. It's not somewhere that we can readily get to. Then we find ourselves in a bad situation. You know, today we have wonderful things called cell phones. And they can be purely good or they can be purely evil if we let them. But we all have access on our smartphones, if we have one, to the Bible. So today, we can look up Scripture. But that wasn't always the case. And not everybody wants to carry the actual physical Bible around with them. But if we memorize Scripture, if we memorize God's Word, if we stay in God's Word, we find ourselves able to quote Scripture at times when we need that Scripture. You know, it's an amazing thing how the Word of God can comfort us in even the hardest of times. There's always a verse that'll come clear. There's always something that'll speak to you, that'll say what you need to hear in that moment. And, and, and you, never, you never would get it. You know, there, there are some things that happen, and we start sometimes these projects that God has given us, and they don't start out on the level we want them to start out at. Well, we tried, and only four people showed up. Well, God's word also says, do not despise the beginning of a small thing. Because everything starts out small. When you start out small, you can only grow. 
when you start out big, you can shrink. Truth is, the only way we can follow God's word is by knowing God's word, but the only way we can know God's word is by being in God's word. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and buy them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God has said time and again in Scripture that his word has to be at the center of our existence. He tells the people of Israel there in Deuteronomy, always talk about the Bible. Always talk about the Bible. Always talk about my word. Always talk about the law that I've given you. Talk about it. Speak about it. Let your children know about it. Because if your children don't know it, they don't know to follow it. He's warning them. This is what's going to happen if you don't listen. They didn't listen, by the way. If you read the entire book, they didn't listen. There, there's a set of books right here in the middle. that They didn't listen. They ended up in exile because they did not talk about the law of God. They did not talk about his word. They didn't train their kids up where they needed to end up as. God says his word should be at the center of our existence. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If it also writes, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Bible must be central to our lives. It's funny, most of us can recite the words to hundreds of songs, but very few Bible verses. There are things... (laughs) And I'm ashamed of this in some ways. There are things in my mind that I don't even know why they're still there. We have any math teachers in the room? Quadratic formula. I don't know why it's still there. But I do know that X equals the opposite of B plus or minus the square root of the quantity B squared minus 4AC all divided by 2A. I don't know why I know that. It's still stuck in there. And any time I want to, I can conjure that up. But there are Bible verses that I can't grasp. And I'm going, God, can I delete that? Is there a delete key somewhere? Because I have never used the quadratic formula since I graduated high school. It's never happened. But I use the Bible daily. I use the truth that it contains all the time. It's funny how those things happen. We can tell you the plot and details to several books, plays, movies, TV series, but we can't tell about biblical details. One of the uh, greatest um, compliments I ever received was not being called an idiot by a hundred-year-old member. I was in my very first pastorate. She was 99 years old. (laughs) She turned 100 my first year there. And almost every week, she would tell me, about the idiot pastors who had been there before me. There was one, there was one who didn't even know that there was a book of Jude. There was one who she said, argue with him one day. Well, you know, even, even Michael, when he, when he fought with Satan over Moses' body, the Bible doesn't say that, Miss Faye. It sure does. I'll show you next week. His wife said, show him. She came next week, pulls Jude. Here you go, right there. Whoo! You know, she knows. She knew. She had read the Bible from cover to cover and studied it every year since she had turned 57. She knew her Bible. She had gotten to the point where she didn't ask questions about theological things anymore. 
She came to me one day. I'm 23 years old. She's 100. She's read the Bible through more years than I had been alive. She said, Brother Troy, you know in the Old Testament where they did those sacrifices on the altar? Whose job was it to clean the blood? <laughs> Miss Faye, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I'll check for you is all I can say. Our heads are filled with, with tons of useless trivia, but our hearts sometimes aren't filled with the Scripture of God. If we're going to have clear spiritual vision in this coming year, we have to have the Bible central to our lives. But also, he says here, this, this is important, we have to trust in God's presence and protection in everything we experience. He says, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God promises his protection to those who love him. Joshua knew the battles were going to be tough. He had personally seen the people they were going to fight. Something hard was coming. But he knew that God had promised he was going with him. And he promises the same thing in the New Testament. He says, I am with you wherever you go, even unto the end of the age. For those of us who are believers, we have the Holy Spirit literally with us wherever we go. We're always there. God didn't promise things would be easy. He didn't promise there wouldn't be trials. But he did promise that he would walk with us and give us his presence and protection through all those hard things. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. God doesn't leave us alone. He leaves his word here to penetrate our hearts as a guide for righteous living. But notice the promise here in verse 8. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. The only way to have 2020 vision as we enter this new year is to have God at the center of our life. The only way for us to, to know with clarity where we're supposed to be is to say, God, you are the center. You are what I'm going to follow. You are who has sent your place in my life. Too long we have relegated Jesus to a box. We've put him in our guest room to that place where we know he's around, but he's really not going to mess stuff up because this is my house, and I like him a certain way, and I don't want to mess with those things. But see, when Jesus comes in, he likes to rearrange things. He likes to move things. He takes things and he throws them out. One of the hardest things we ever face in our house is we'll get into something we really, really, really love watching on TV or something, and God will say one or the other of us, or both of us, yeah, no, you shouldn't be watching that anymore. But God, I'm halfway through. Just let me finish it. Nope. I said no. In that moment, I have to say, okay, God, I'll follow. I'll listen. I'll do what you've called me to do. I'll be who you've called me to ask. Jesus wants to move things around. He wants to clarify our vision. He wants to show us those things. Because when Jesus moves in, things change. Things are going to change. We can't put him in the guest room. We don't have a guest cabin somewhere out back. He's going to be in the main house. He's going to live on the hot bed in the living room. He's going to be right in the middle of your stuff. And he's going to mess it all up. But he's going to rearrange it into a glorious vision we've never seen. Let's make 2020 the year that we make Jesus and his word the central part of our lives. That we're going to say, God, I don't care what I have to give up. 
I don't care what it is you ask me to put away. I'm going to follow you. It's going to be hard at times. I'm not going to want to give that up. Because Jesus, I like some of those things. I like that TV show. I like that record. I like this, doing this, this activity. But if you want me to, Jesus, I'll give it up. That's it. If we want to have clear vision, if we want to have 2020 spiritual vision in 2020, we have to be willing to say, Jesus, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be who you want me to be. You have free reign in my life. We have to allow God to be central to our lives. We have to have the study of his word at the center of our existence. We have to get up in the morning. We have to walk around during the day talking about God's word. How much time do we spend talking about meaningless stuff? If I personally spent half the time I spend looking at memes on Facebook, studying the word more. Woo, I might be, I might be like that old guy in the Old Testament who was there and he's no longer there. Enoch, I might just be walking with God and gone. We spend so much time doing these little bitty things when we could spend our time in the word. We could spend our time talking to God. Maybe this morning... Maybe God's been working with you about moving him out of the guest room. Christianity seems nice when Jesus is in the guest room and we pull him out when we want to talk to him. But that's not the Christianity God's called us to. He's called us to the Christianity where Jesus lives in our living room. And so when we watch that thing on TV... He's there with us watching. When we do those things that, that are questionable, he's there with us doing. That's the Christianity he's called us to. May our vision in 2020 be one that is clear because the word of God has penetrated our heart. Maybe today's the day you say, okay, I'm going to let God have it. Maybe today's the day Or you give something else to God. And you say, God, <laughs> I love you. And I'm going to make room for you. All I have is yours. Today could be that day. Maybe this morning you just want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to turn to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning, though, you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, Jesus, I want to know you. Let not now be the time. Just walk the aisle and say, Troy, I want to know Jesus. We'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory.